The Daily Tap is live for Tuesday. We have a good show today. We're going to talk Aaron Rodgers, why it's okay to not pick a side. We're going to also chat about the Bucks pushing back on their head coach. Anything worth discussing there? Anything worth worrying about? Or is it something that could be a bigger thing down the road? We will also talk about some NFL news and notes. Adam Stenovich is now the offensive line, or offensive coordinator, excuse me, gets promoted from offensive line. We'll talk that. We'll talk Harbaugh to Minnesota. We'll talk, we'll talk all of that today. If you're new to the program, welcome. We are Tapping the Keg. We are on social media, Tapping the Keg on Twitter, Tapping the Keg Sports on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. Uh, we could do a little bit of content here and there on both cha- on all those channels. Uh, make sure you're rating and reviewing. Make sure if you're not subscribed yet that you are subscribed on whatever podcast uh, vehicle you're listening to. And make sure you're telling friends. Make sure you're saying, hey, we got a little bit of a different podcast, different feel for the people. But let's talk about Aaron Rodgers like we have for the last two weeks, really. So Aaron Rodgers and the great debate of whether you keep Aaron Rodgers, you trade Aaron Rodgers, is humming through the internet. Everybody seems to have an opinion. Aaron Nagler kind of gave his state of the union about why he doesn't think the Packers should keep Aaron Rodgers. Nagler, uh, owner of Cheesehead TV, one of the prominent voices in the alternative Packer media space. I love what Aaron does. I respect the shit out of it. Um, I love the fact that he has grown a brand with Cheesehead TV. That said, I don't know if you're needing to have an opinion. I don't know if anybody needs to have an opinion on Aaron Rodgers' decision. Now people are like, Charlie, that's not how this business works. We're all about opinions. This is an opinion-based business. You hear this from Ryan Russell all the time when he basically says what I'm going to say. You don't need an opinion on everything. And I realize that Aaron Rodgers is the biggest story for the Green Bay Packers, but it's truly okay to choose a to not choose a side and be at peace with what the Green Bay Packers do. I had a buddy in a group chat say he wanted Rodgers gone after watching everything in the championship games. I replied with, I don't care. I'm fine if they keep Aaron Rodgers. I'm fine if they jettison Aaron Rodgers. I am truly at peace with whatever decision Brian Gunacus makes. And I think that not enough people are taking this approach. I realize it's really hard for people to get to this level of like pure, I would say, I don't want to say bliss because that's not what it is, but it it's like basically this comfort of knowing the Packers are going to make the decision that is best for their organization. If the Packers really think that they could do one more year of Aaron Rodgers because the NFC is weak and that is there is a real opportunity to bring back the people that they have. They had a ton of injuries with their players, emerging guys like Rashawn Gary, Eric Stokes, and others on this organization that they can basically come back and be a Super Bowl team. Then the Green Bay Packers are going to do it and they're going to find a way to make Aaron Rodgers happen and tell Jordan Love to hold on. If the Green Bay Packers look at this and say, you know what, while the NFC could be not that great next year, we still feel like it's better to, as Nagler called it, rip the Band-Aid off and get rid of Aaron Rodgers, find a new pathway, don't trade him to the NFC, trade him to the AFC, let him compete with all the young guns in football, and we start fresh and try to build a winner with Jordan Love. And Packer fans will be subject to really the 2008 season all over again, where 
you know, they were signs of Rodgers' greatness and his defense couldn't hold up. Now, we don't know if that'll be the case, seeing as Packers' defense was okay this year, but there were some signs that they weren't as good as I think people thought they were. I think they had some really good moments, but it's kind of one, if you peel back the onion, the onion gets a little more spoiled once you, you go into the layers of it, especially around Devondre Campbell. I thought Ross Algram of Packer Report did a great job kind of calling this out when he was asked whether you'd rather have Devondre Campbell or Rasul Douglas, and he voted for Rasul. I personally would agree with that. I think if you can make a Legion of Boom type secondary, you got to do it. And if you're going to lose Amos too because of a cap casualty thing, well, then that's even more reason to keep Rasul as you try to kind of build you know, your safety, your defensive backfield back up. I think either way, you're going to have, you're going to enjoy the season, right? Because you're a Packer fan. You're, I think there will be a few and far between that say, I'm going to boycott this season if Jordan Love plays and the Packers trade Aaron Rodgers. I think this idea that Rodgers fans are out there, it's not as strong as it was last year. The two guys in my life that are probably the biggest Rodgers fans after that San Francisco game basically said, you know what, I'm okay if they move on. One was a little bit less and one was like, Rodgers can't go out this way. The other was all in on the idea that they could start over and he'd be okay with it. When you have those people, there are fewer, fewer like ardent Rodgers fans. It is not like 2007. The comparison does not make sense because at that point, People were so enamored with Brett Favre. Brett Favre, I think because of the lack of politics, because of the lack of knowledge of inside the organization and the unhappiness. You know, if you read Jeff Perlman's book, right? If you read Jeff Perlman's book, which whether it's true or untrue, I know Perlman has got accused of sort of hyping up the truth in the past with like his Walter Payton book and a few other things he's done. But if you read Perlman's book on Brett Favre, which I would recommend, it's really good. Uh, they're basically the end of Favre's career is really similar to Aaron Rodgers. He was unhappy. He was not not feeling Mike McCarthy. Favre wanted to get out of that scenario. They were not on the same page at all. And then Favre defies McCarthy in that overtime game, throws the interception to Corey Webster, and the rest is history. And then Favre retires, and then comes you know the whole thing. Right and thought he could kind of walk walk over this Packers organization. Also had a lot of issues with Ted Thompson, but that really wasn't known because, and this is going to offend people, but the Packer media does not necessarily do the job of like a New York media or of an LA media. Call it because they don't have enough size. Call it because offending a Packer media person is a lot different than offending a Giants media person because it's so small and it's it's not necessarily as large of a market as you have in the New York, LA, Chicago area. And social media was just kind of starting out. People were getting used to this thing called Facebook. People weren't even on Twitter yet. I, I still remember a PR teacher, a professor, I should say, uh, showing us Twitter and saying, here's what Twitter is. And I think I said, this is like Facebook on crack. I think I said that in a class. I still remember this to this day, which is ironic given how much I'm on Twitter, tapping the keg, um, and and spend like, and I say in my bio, I treat it like my sports bar. Like it is. Like I sit at the bar and are like, all right, what are we talking about tonight? What are we, what kind of content are we engaging with? And so 
I, I, this idea that like s- social media was not a thing. So Favre kind of got protected because of this and we didn't have all these opinions. So there were so many Favre fans that were like, how the fuck can Ted do this? Fire Ted Thompson. Uh, Mike McCarthy's an idiot. Like, what is this Aaron Rodgers guy? And so it's apples to fucking pineapples. Like, it's not the same. It really isn't. Like, I know it, it. there are parallels. I get it. But we have so much more knowledge now. And we have so many more opinions that it's there aren't those Arden Roger fans. If they are telling Twitter, yeah, sure, there are going to be a few. But it's not like it used to be. It really isn't. I, I, I promise you. And it's partly due to Roger's struggles. Because even the diehard Rodgers fans, even the people who thought Brian Gunacoust was an idiot last year and were criticizing Brian have looked at it and said, you know what? Maybe he was right. Or maybe we realize that Aaron Rodgers is just a regular season quarterback. And he is the Peyton Manning, the Dan Marino of this generation. And unfortunately, he's not going to be able to get it done with the Green Bay Packers. But there could be an idea that Aaron Rodgers wants to return. That Matt LaFleur wants Aaron Rodgers back. That Matt LaFleur doesn't think Jordan Love is ready. I think that's a part that people aren't talking enough about that I would love someone to do some digging on. How do we know Jordan Love is ready for this? Jordan Love was known to be a raw talent coming out of college. Jordan Love has sat behind Aaron Rodgers the last two years, obviously this year. He started in one game. He played basically a half of the other game. So one and a half starts for Love this year. And it didn't really look that great. And LaFleur said after, you know, in his exit interview that Love has a lot to work on, his feet, you know, a few other things. So how do we know that Jordan Love is ready for this? How do we know that Jordan Love is ready to be the guy in Green Bay? And if LaFleur has some trepidation about it, And knowing that this draft is all about not having quarterbacks and that next year there are a ton of quarterbacks available, why wouldn't you look at potentially trading Jordan Love and trying to shove him off to another team and say, all right, we're going to start this whole thing over next year. We'll bring in a veteran. Derek Carr could be available, right? Derek Carr in his last year of his deal. Maybe bring in a guy like Derek Carr And then on top of that, draft a quarterback in the first or second round. Aaron Rodgers retires, the whole thing. Like, that to me does not sound crazy. And I know I've been banging the drum that they're going to trade Jordan Love. I just think there are going to be a lot of teams, say a Pittsburgh, right, who now looks at it and says, all right, we're in a division that has Joe Burrow, Lamar Jackson, and... Baby Baker Mayfield, I don't know. I, I wouldn't put Baker Mayfield in the category of those two, but young quarterback Baker Mayfield. And we have Mason Rudolph and Dwayne Haskins. We need to make a move. I don't think their move is Aaron Rodgers. I know a lot of people have said Pittsburgh. I don't think their move is Aaron Rodgers. In fact, I think their move would be Jordan Love because the Steelers, similarly to the Packers, are a team that kind of looks at the longer view. And they could look at a guy like Jordan Love and say, all right, we're going to get love for, let's say, a fourth round, third round pick, whatever. 
and that's now our quarterback. And we'll also draft somebody and basically reset that quarterback room and Love sort of fits in with what the Steelers want to do, run the football, and occasionally pass the ball. Love also having quite the arm that he does, you know, works with guys like Chase Claypool, who are, you know, who's kind of your future. And you have Fryermuth, like you have a good basis. Like all you really need is a quarterback. Why would they want Aaron Rodgers in his contract when you could have a guy like Love and basically be on a rookie deal? To me, that seems to make more sense than the idea of Rodgers coming there. And that's a part that, again, that's another side. Like that's another side of this argument of Aaron Rodgers and what he could do. The other side, so this is now four sides. So it's not just, is Aaron Rodgers going to stay or trade Aaron Rodgers? It could be trade Jordan Love. And also, what if Rodgers just retires? What if Rodgers decides, like, you know what? I'm fucking done with this. And I want to be the next, I want to be sports Joe Rogan. What if that's what Aaron Rodgers decides to do? I'm not saying he will. Um, but what if that's what Aaron Rodgers decides that he's, he's going to do? And Aaron Rodgers just says, all right, I'm out. And I'm going to retire, and I've had a great career, and you know what? I just I could never get over the hump, and that's and that's going to be it. I, I highly doubt it. As as my one friend said, I don't think you can go out this way. Even if you're going to be in another uniform, I don't think Aaron Rodgers' lasting memory can be that deep throw to Devontae Adams. I, I really don't. I, I don't think that that is what your final play of your career will be in my opinion but if he does then then all of a sudden it's it's good we don't have to worry about it now that the focus is can you sign Devonte adams can you bring back other guys how does this change you know the landscape of you know your season and just reset everything so we'll find out soon enough roger said he's not going to drag this on we're going to know what aaron Rodgers wants to do and whether we find it out from him or another source. I'm sure Adam Schefter will try to break it early, like he has, you know, a few other times and probably trip over his dick. But we'll know from Aaron Rodgers. And Aaron Rodgers will tell us. And that's, I guess, the, the silver lining in all of this. So no matter what side you're on, or if you're like me and embracing any side of how this Aaron Rodgers saga, I guess, ends, you know that you're going to have an answer by the end of February. And that at least gives you a lot of comfort. February goes quick. You're going to have the Olympics. You're going to have the Super Bowl. College basketball's cooking right now. You'll have the NBA trade deadline. There's, there's a ton of things to keep you busy before you get that Aaron Rodgers decision. And whatever it may be, we'll talk about it. We'll be on board. But I don't think there's any reason to overreact to one side or the other. Moving on to the NBA. So the Bucks players had some very interesting comments after their loss to Denver. Uh, both Giannis Antetokounmpo and Drew Holiday were rather critical of head coach Mike Budenholzer. I thought it was very interesting from Eric Name of The Athletic, who does great work. We've talked about him before. You know, if I start doing interviews, I'd love to have Eric on the show to just talk through, you know, his experience as being a Bucks beat reporter. I've met Eric before. He's a great dude. I think he would make a good podcast guest. But Eric talked to, you know, asked Giannis and Drew about their approach to Jokic. Here's what Antetokounmpo said. I don't know. I'm not a coach, man, Antetokounmpo said. 
I feel like when somebody is one of the best passers in the league and wants to pass the ball, he's not just a capable passer, a willing passer. I don't see a reason of double teaming and showing extra help. He's just going to make keep making passes and people are going to keep making shots. They have a pretty good team, pretty good shooters. At the end of the day, I feel like we kind of gave them what they wanted, which was to get everybody involved. Nikola, people don't know, he gets he gets going by passing the ball. He doesn't get going by scoring the ball, I believe. Personally, in my opinion, we needed to play him straight up, make him go one-on-one all night, and everybody takes individual pride and guards their own man, but we didn't do that. They had 20, 27, 25 threes. I don't know, check. It was 20, something like that. They shot the ball really well. So that's what Giannis Antetokounmpo said. Uh, And then Drew Holiday also noted this. We know that Jokic in parentheses can score, but to be completely honest, we've seen the best in the game, Kevin Durant, try to to score and do it himself, and he couldn't. Holiday said, I mean, shit. We took him to seven games, full had 50 in the playoffs, and no offense to Jokic, but he's not scoring the way that that man, Durant, did, or is, excuse me. And then name includes P.J. Tucker talked about how he would push back on guys trying to help. And P.J. Tucker basically dictated the defense of that series and said the Bucks don't need to help and let Durant get his. So how should we feel about this? Should we be concerned? Should we be worried that Mike Budenholzer is basically trying to bring back the help defense that cost the Bucks championships in years past? Is the fire blood uh, hashtag making its way back in the month of May? This is interesting. This is really interesting commentary from the Milwaukee Bucks players. It's a star-driven league. We know this. We talk about it all the time. And for Giannis Antetokounmpo and Drew Holiday to say this after the Bucks got beat by 36 points, I think means a lot. I think this says to me that the Milwaukee Bucks are basically telling Bud, we can do this in the regular season, but we are not doing this in the playoffs. That we can handle it on our own. We are not going to show help, and we are going to individually guard people. Now, will the Bucks defy Bud? I don't know. I don't know if Bud will put up with that. I thought it was interesting that one of the athletic commenters, now I know like reading the internet comments is never a good thing. The guy kind of freaked out, but some people wondered, you know, this guy wondered, you know, did PJ Tucker not have a spot on this team because he basically defied Bud? And he told Bud, like, no, we're not doing this. And Bud was like, all right, I don't want this guy on my roster because I don't want him basically, you know, squawking at me every time I'm telling him to go play health defense. I've always been of the belief that it was a contract thing, but now my wheels are turning that maybe Mike Budenholzer forced P.J. Tucker out. And Mike Budenholzer didn't like the fact that P.J. Tucker was like, everybody guard their man and don't show help. Now, Giannis Antetokounmpo is the leader of this team. All right, make no mistake about it. Giannis is a bigger leader than Mike Budenholzer ever would be. Mike Budenholzer is just a figure. He's not Greg Popovich, Phil Jackson. Like he, He's not one of those Pat Riley. He's not one of those great coaches. 
Mike Boonholzer, I wouldn't put him at like Mike McCarthy levels. We'll see how Bucks do in the years past, but or Zach Taylor uh, right now. He, he's a little bit elevated than that. I mean, he's shown some signs of being just a great coach regular season-wise, and the playoffs is where he tends to get himself in trouble. I've called him Marty Schottenheimer in the past. Uh, that's been a coach comparison I've used. But I still think that Giannis could say to their guys, like, hey, we're not helping don't listen to coach like we are guarding our guys we're gonna let someone go off and have his day and then that's going to be it now bud could talk to drew and Giannis and say hey look if brooke was playing in this game that's exactly what we would have done but because brooke's not playing and bobby is a sieve on defense we have to help to just make sure Jokic doesn't go for 50. now their argument could be well coach like let him get 50 and we'll shut everybody else down and no one else is going to score. And if they do score, then I guess they'll beat us. But the Bucks felt like the reason they lost to Denver is because they let Jokic pass all over the basketball court. And name points out, you have Embiid in two weeks, I think, right? It's the 17th, I think they play Philadelphia. You have Philadelphia in two weeks. Like, are you, are you going to approach it the same? Or are you going to change? And are you going to show less help? And I think it's a big talking point. Like, I, I think it's something worth discussing further because if the Bucks are going to, you know, play individual defense and limit their help in the postseason, I think it's fine. But if we, if this is why maybe the Bucks are struggling a little bit defensively this year, then I, I think that really opens my eyes on Mike Budenholzer. And it's like, I mean, how much, how many more times do you need to see this? Is it because you're, is, is there something you know that we don't, I guess, is what, is what my question would be to Mike Boonholzer of like, why does your team disagree with you when it comes to helping your own man? The Bucks right now have a net rating of 2.9 for the entire season. So they're, and that's eighth in the league right now. They're behind Boston, surprisingly, Memphis, Miami, Cleveland, Utah, Phoenix, and Golden State. When it comes to defensive net rating, they're down to 10, which not bad, right? Again, it's, that's not so saying the Bucks have a bad defense, bad offense or a bad defense. Offensively, they're ninth. But we're talking more about the Bucks' defense. So it's not like their defense is a complete issue. I mean, the Hawks, for example, right, who've been playing better of late. But the Hawks have a 112 over 100 defensive rating. The reason why the Hawks aren't are 24 and 26 is simply because of their defense. The reason why the Hornets aren't better than they are is because they have a 112 net rating as well. They're 28 and 23. So not like the Hornets are bad per se, but the Hornets could be a lot better if they were better defensively. But that's not really what's plaguing the Bucks. It's more this help defense that is allowing teams to go off from three. And that and that that worries you a little bit. Like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sugarcoat it, right? Like that worries you a bit. Now you're playing a Washington team that has really looked bad since their hot start. I think they're 13 and 23 since being 10 and 3 at the start of the season. This is a game you should win. This is a game that you should have no problem taking care of business against a Washington team that a hasn't been playing well for the last few months, but recently. Washington also is 28th in the league in terms of three-point percentage. They're 38% from three. Again, there is no excuse for, for, for this game to be a loss for the Bucs. I'm not saying it's a must-win for the Bucs, 
But I'm, I'm just saying, like, you should take care of business against this Washington Wizards team. They also don't shoot a ton of threes. They shoot only 31, which is second to last in the league uh, behind the... Only the Bulls shoot less threes, which is actually really interesting. And same with the the teams that shoot the least amount of threes. This is, this is very interesting. I didn't realize this. Phoenix Suns are there at 25. Spurs, of course, because Pop hates threes. Brooklyn Nets, 76ers, Wizards, Bulls. So you see some of those main teams. That's I mean, that's actually another – that sparks a entire other topic, uh, which maybe I'll save for Mitch because I actually – Actually, I have a really interesting off-topic of that. But I, I do think that the Bucks should take care of business tonight. And and I don't think today is the day where we're like, okay, let's watch on the help defense. Let's see if they're helping more. I think it's something to keep our eyes on. But I, I don't think it's something that we should be paying attention to really until that Embiid game in a couple weeks. I think maybe LeBron too a little bit uh, when the Bucks and Lakers play next Tuesday night. I think that would be something to keep an eye on. Phoenix is another one with Aiton maybe a little bit. You know, what will the Bucs do or how are how is the Bucks defense different against Phoenix, you know, in a regular season game versus what they played in the finals? Bucks and Suns next Thursday night, uh, for those who don't know. But I'm not gonna worry about the friction between Giannis and Coach Bud or, Gian- or Giannis and Drew versus Coach Bud. I think it's fine. I think this it's okay to question your coach. It's okay to push back. I realize Nate Duncan trying to start some shit and be like, well, it's unseen. It's like, nah, is it? LeBron's critical of his coach. Uh, I think you've seen Jordan be critical of his coach before. Kobe for sure. Like, I mean, all the greats have questioned their coach at times. Giannis just has another belief, and I'm sure Giannis and Bud will have a conversation, and Bud will explain to Giannis why he went that way, and we'll see if Giannis is good. And I think Giannis has felt more empowered than probably he ever has. And if he... If, let's say, the Bucks do not get to a championship because of Bud's defense, well, guess what? Bud's going to maybe be out. I doubt it, but I do think if there is a growing tension, Milwaukee will do all in their power to help Giannis over their head coach. All right, wrapping up the show with a little bit of rapid fire. So in the NFL news and notes for the last few days, Adam Adam Stenovich. I got to be honest with you guys. I don't know why I have such a hard time pronouncing his name. It's not that hard. It's Adam Stenovich. But for whatever reason, I want to sneak an F in there. And I don't know why. Does anybody else have this problem? Please let me know. Uh, hit me up on Instagram, Tabby the Keg Sports. Hit me up on Twitter, Tabby the Keg. Like if anybody else has a problem pronouncing Stenovich, I would love to know. Like I am just going to have to keep saying it until I'm not able to like not say it the right way. I remember... When I was back, when I was trying to be a broadcast journalism major back in college, I could not say Louisville for the life of me. And I remember I was at the desk, like we had a class where you would do all the turns of like a TV newsroom. So I was at the desk, I was wearing a tie, and we're talking about the Louisville Sympathy Symphony Orchestra. And I remember I was working on it, working on it, and I kept saying Louisville. I was so used to saying Louisville. Because that's how I knew it. I remember, you know, at that time, the Louisville Cardinals, but at that time I was calling the Louisville Cardinals, were playing Marquette all the time. So, and, and Louisville was a, a rival. But really, since then, I've always been able to now say Louisville and not say Louisville. 
And that's it's just like that hard, hard kind of U-ish, right? It's at Louisville. So Adam Stenovich is going to take some time, but I, I trust myself that I'll be able to get it. And if I have to put Stenovich up on my fucking wall in my podcast area, I will do it. <laughs> but yeah, he's the offensive coordinator. I think it's the right move. I think they made the right decision. He is such a good offensive line coach. I don't think you want to lose a offensive line coach that has been so strong. I will push back on what he did with Billy Turner at left tackle, uh, but obviously he saw it a little bit differently than I did. That's the only like quote unquote problem I've had with Stanovich for really his last couple of years. He's done a really good job with this team. David Bakhtiari was really happy for him to get that promotion. A big time endorsement, I think, there. I think that Bakhtiari obviously seems like he has a pretty good relationship with him. I think that only helps with Aaron Rodgers as you know, Bakhtiari is one of the confidants. So if Rodgers, you know, I, and he's mentioned Steph, like he called, and, and that's the other thing, like they call him Steph. So it's like, if they call him Steph, like he should have an F in his fucking name, but whatever. Stenovich and Rodgers seem to have a relationship. I don't know if it's as deep as like Getze or, or Nathaniel Hackett, but I do think that Stenovich will work with Rodgers if Rodgers is back and LaFleur and say, all right, what did Aaron like? What did Aaron not like? How can I work with this? And also too, maybe Stenovich's O-line experience helps Rodgers understand you know, kind of line formations and like things that he does that helps the line, things that he does that hurts the line. I think it could be really beneficial. And two, if it's Jordan Love, like if it's Jordan Love having an offensive line coach there to work with Love and explain like, hey, if you do this, like you're going to get sacked. Or if you do this, we're going to have a, a, a clear lane for you and a clean, clear path. And you're going to be able to throw the ball and you just have to get rid of it at this sort of time. I think offensive line is the way of the future. I mean, and you're like, wow, you're a biased homer because you're a former offensive line. Facts. But I, I do really believe that having a good offensive line and defensive line will win championships in the long run. I realize the Cincinnati Bengals do not have a good offensive line. They have a good defensive line. But I still believe that it starts in the trenches and it goes out. I think there's a reason why Offensive line coaches have been promoted to offensive coordinators. I think there was another team who did that. Or or it was Dable, I think, right? I think Dable took his offensive line coach in Buffalo, and he's now the offensive coordinator for the New York Giants. That was just recently. So I think you're seeing more and more of offensive line coaches getting promoted. And I think the next step will be head coaches. And there are people who thought Stenovich could be in the head coaching carousel. Peter Schrager mentioned that. To Bill Simmons, gosh, I think back in December, no one really looked at Stenovich, but I do think that that's a real possibility for him in the future if he shows he can be a good offensive coordinator for the Green Bay Packers. There's a Jim Harbaugh Minnesota news. I'm not too hyped on that, I'll be honest with you. Uh, Jim Harbaugh, I think, is a really good coach. I think Jim Harbaugh is a guy that can you know, really shake things up in Minnesota. Uh, Vic Fangio's there with him. That makes it even worse. Uh, Fangio has had Aaron Rodgers' number in the past. He's kind of had LaFleur's number too. Um, no, uh, yeah, did they play LaFleur? Yeah, I think Packer Bears, the Fangio's first year. I have to look that up. So you, someone could fact check me on that. I'm not going to not gonna look it up now. So we'll see if I was wrong or right. But Fangio and LaFleur have some commonalities. Um, you know, 
LaFleur has looked at Fangio's defense as sort of the way he wanted his Packer defense to run. It's what Joe Barry tries to, you know, attempt with what they have in Green Bay. So we'll see if, you know, Vic Fangio does come with Harbaugh and if Harbaugh takes the job. I feel like he is going to just based on the fact that he's interviewing on National Signing Day, which is pretty incredulous. Um, It's pretty crazy that he's going to leave Michigan on the biggest day of the year for getting the new recruits, and he's going to go you know, interview at Minnesota. And the question of why would Harbaugh do this, I think it's pretty easy. I think Harbaugh knows he peaked. Like I think Harbaugh doesn't think he can get past you know the SEC and knows that this is always what it's going to be. And it's like, maybe we'll beat Ohio State. Maybe we'll get to play a Georgia or an Alabama. But at the end of the day, we're probably going to lose that game. So I've hit that peak. And now I want to try to get a Super Bowl. And that's going to be Harbaugh's goal. Now, I think all of us will laugh when Harbaugh talks about it if he is with the Vikings. But we'll also see if Miami comes in. Steven Ross is a Michigan grad, a big-time Michigan booster. Would he try to steal Harbaugh from Minnesota? We'll see if that happens. But yeah, that's that that is definitely a real story. And yeah, Fangio coming along would be significant and would be an issue uh for Packers. And people are like, are you scared of Harbaugh? It's like I'm not I'm not scared of Harbaugh. I just I don't want good coaches in the NFC North, all right? Like I don't want good coaches to be in the NFC North. And that would be a good coach. And Harbaugh has a record of success and he started off fast with teams. Now, does he wear out his welcome with organizations? Maybe not the teams? Yes. Will there be players that could have issues with Jim Harbaugh? Sure. All right. So there's a chance that this could go way off the rails. But a lot of coaches who go through the second time, and we'll see this with Josh McDaniels maybe, have been really successful that second time. There are other coaches who the second time, it's absolute trash. And you know what? They're coordinators or they're college coaches for a reason. So we'll see what happens in that Harbaugh scenario. All right, that does it for today's show. We'll be back tomorrow. Uh, Tab the keg probably Thursday. Uh, we usually do it around the Bucks schedule. So no, so we can't do it tonight because the Bucks and Wizards are playing. So we'll probably do it tomorrow. So Mitch and I get in the booth. We'll uh, talk about a variety of topics and get, get ourselves going. All right, take care of yourself. Have a good one. And we'll see you tomorrow. All right, bye.